1: Hello and welcome to a very special episode here on the Field of 68. We are unveiling the first annual Field of 68 preseason top 25 presented by Athletic Greens, Gregory. I actually put my uh, my AG one and smoothies these days so i'm using my very nice ag1 shaker to drink a little bit of water i just got a nice workout in. i'm trying to get healthy you know I'm trying to get healthy get this beach body ready for the summer my name is rob Doster. i am here with the one and only greg Wydell. i was able to pry him away from baby duty uh changing diapers before we get into this greg how you doing man you getting any sleep yet brand new father what is your, your son's what two weeks old now
2: yeah, a little under two weeks, about 11 days right now. I was going to mention we've already uh, – I'm probably oversharing here. We've already moved to to formula for our baby. I've been mixing in a little Athletic Greens. It's going great. You know, Start them healthy, start them young. You look great. It's been two months since I've seen you. It seems like that end-of-season extra 5, 10 pounds has already come off, Rob. So congrats to you. It's great to be back with you.
1: It actually has. I'm not going to tell anybody what I was weighing after I got back from the Final Four, but it was one of those ones where you step on the scale and you look at it and you go – Oh, fuck. I messed up. So, <laughs> yeah, we're, we're trying to get back in shape over here, Greg. You know how it is. Uh, we are also going to unveil uh, the Field of 68 consensus top 25. The legwork was done by our own Mike Miller. Uh, we compiled uh, the athletics, the ESPN, the CBS, the Sports Illustrated, Mike Miller's the daily preseason top 25. We put all of this together and we figured out uh, pretty much what the consensus national top 25 Uh, is we will get into all that. Before we do, Greg, let's just talk a little bit through what our field of 68 preseason top 25 is. And I guess we could take this in kind of uh, segments. We'll start Kansas, Duke, Purdue, Michigan State. Those were our top four. I think that is more or less the consensus top four. You'd have a very tough time convincing me any of those four don't belong in the top four nationally. If I was going to put together a field of 68 projection, bracket projection, if you will, I think those would be my four number one seeds. Tell me why I'm wrong.
2: No, you're not wrong. I feel like there is clear separation for this season that is upcoming where there hasn't been the last few years, at least going back two, three years in my memory. I don't really remember consensus but going back to the Gonzaga team with Chet Holmgren, but it's almost been like there's one favorite. It's not like there's been a group of favorites even in the past years where there was a little separation this year. It's like there's a top tier And you can have different teams that you prefer, but it's all personal preference. I think those four are equally, uh, I I guess, in line to own a spot in that top four. Uh, We're going to break down who we would individually have here, I think, in just a moment. But to me, you can't leave any of the four of them out for various reasons. I think Kansas seems like it's the consensus nationally from what I've seen. I was a little surprised uh, with Uh, our field of 68 daily top 25 that Mike Miller, the lovely Mike Miller runs, who is a Kansas fan. He didn't have Kansas at number one. That felt a little bit like a reverse jinx to me because that's the number one team I've seen everywhere.
1: Yeah, it really was a reverse jinx. We're calling Mike out on that, and I think that uh, he would very gladly admit that he is reverse jinxing that. Um, We're going to get much deeper into this conversation about whether or not Purdue is a legit number one contender and why we're not talking about Michigan State more. That's coming up here in a second. That folks is what we call the tease in the, in the, in the business, in the media business, in the podcast business, um, the rest of the top 25, we have Marquette at five, Houston at six, FAU at seven, Tennessee at eight, Creighton at nine, Gonzaga at 10. I don't think there's anything there that really stands out to me. Um, it was interesting in the consensus top 25 uh, Florida Atlantic was all over the map. They were as high as number four on some ballots. They were as low as 17 on some ballots. And I, I, I don't know. How do you feel about them? Where do you stand on Florida Atlantic? It's just it's they are a tough team for me to kind of peg because they were so good last year and they made the run to the final four. um, But it's also a mid-major. Like every time I feel like we overhype these mid-majors, it never ends up uh, leading to them having that same kind of season the next year.
2: Yeah, I think the question is, are they more Wichita State E, or are they more St. Bonaventure E from just a couple years ago, where everybody was kind of like, should we really put the Bonnies in the top ten? And then they just had a horrible season. I don't know. Like, I-, I think it's fair and probably correct to have them in the top ten heading into this season, mostly because we are in an era where we just saw uh, the the benefits of age and the benefits of continuity lead to success for four teams that made it to a, a final four. And I think going into next year, like this offseason seems even crazier than last year's offseason as far as turnover, as far as guys jumping around from contender to contender, chasing the bag. And I'm not saying that's bad for the game, but I am saying the teams that have avoided that to a significant degree, I think we will reap the benefits of that. Florida Atlantic being one of the best at that in my mind as far as who they're returning, as far as the success they had last year. So I'm in. I think I'm a little higher on them than most. Like I would not shudder if you have this team like sixth or seventh overall. I would not put them lower than tenth. So I'm very comfortable with us with the number seven ranking.
1: Yeah, I think that they're that's the sweet spot for them, right? It's to me, it's I don't. I don't think that they're better than Marquette. I, I have a very difficult time betting against Houston. It, you know, I, it feels very uncomfortable having a Houston team outside the top five heading into the preseason, based on what they've done in recent years. But I'm not totally sold on Tennessee. I'm not totally sold on Creighton. I'm not totally sold on Gonzaga. The rest of the top twenty-five we'll get into. There's a lot of question marks for all these teams. So I'm good with it. They went thirty-five and three yet last year, and they made a Final Four. And they bring everybody back in an era when everybody transfers. So let's go. I'm all in on the owls. And I promise, Greg, I'm not at all biased because they're a part of the field of 68 tip-off. Not at all. I'm not trying to build up hype for that event at all. Nope, wouldn't be me. Couldn't be me. Um, All right. 11, Miami, 12, UConn, 13, Texas, 14, St. Mary's, 15, Villanova. All pretty straightforward there. The Villanova one might surprise some people. Um, We have a Big East lean on uh, the field of 68 with myself and Fanta and and T.O., who has now designated himself a Big East guy. Uh, So being in on Villanova is not something that should shock anybody. The next five, North Carolina at 16. Texas A&M at 17 is a very interesting one. We're going to talk about them in a little bit. Uh, USC at 18 with uh, Isaiah Collier, Boogie Ellis, And, um, of course, Bronny James, who uh, may or may not be transferring to TCU to follow his dad to the Dallas area, unless you've been paying attention to the Kyrie Irving rumors of recent uh, recent days, Arizona at 19, Arkansas at 20. And then rounding out the top 25, we have San Diego State, Baylor, Colorado, Illinois, and the Johnnies. Uh, five five East teams in the top 25. Again, don't be shocked to see us hyping up the big east all season long. I love the big east. I uh I'm going to be very upset if and when UConn decides to leave.
2: Yes, I, I was gonna say soak it up while you can, right? Is that what we're doing here?
1: Yes, I'm leaning all the way in. I'm just gonna try to make David Benedict, uh UConn's athletic director, feel as guilty as possible if he's going to pull the trigger on this move. Um, you gotta rub it in, man. I got you gotta fight for what's right, okay. You got to fight for what's right, Greg. Um, All right. So the way that we're going to do this episode, it's a little bit different. We've done this on the DTF podcast before. You haven't done this on the show with us, Greg. I have a timer. It is set for four minutes right there. You can see it. The people listening, I'm holding it up to the camera. We have four minutes on the timer. There are seven topics that we're going to get into. We are going to talk about each of these topics for four minutes. Once that that alarm sounds, we're done and we're moving on. We're going to start, Greg, with this. Is Purdue a legitimate contender for number one? Or should the conversation only be limited to Duke and Kansas go?
2: I think they absolutely are. And I am starting to think they should be more people's number one than they are. I personally would have them second right now. I would put Kansas one. I would put Purdue two. But I think people seem to be shrugging off Zach Edie's return, which is one of the more annoying reactions that I've had to any sort of news break in the last calendar year. Zach Eady was so good last year. Like, it was a historically dominant National Player of the Year season. Not even just, like, he won National Player of the Year. Of course, he was good. Rank it against other National Player of the Year seasons. I think he's near the top. And now he's back. And it seems like because they lost to Fairleigh Dickinson, everyone is just willing to throw them in the category of, well, this is just what Matt Painter teams do. They'll be good in the regular season. They'll lose in the tournament. Yes, they lost... A couple other high-seeded teams in the tournaments before this. It's now a string of three straight, thirteen seeds and up. I get that, but next year's Purdue team is not last year's Purdue team, it, it, specifically in the backcourt. Like it, it's the same faces, but Braden Smith and Fletcher Lawyer are going to get so much better. than There's they a were reason down the why, why I say this
1: all the time, season. Greg. There's a reason why coaches say the best thing about freshmen is that they become sophomores, right? right.
2: Right. And Fletcher Lawyer hit a wall last year. Like That was the biggest problem for Purdue. The guy that was Fletcher Lawyer through January was not the guy the final two months of the regular season. And remember, this Purdue team was blowing teams out in the non-conference last year when these guys were two weeks in to their college careers I still think the sky's the limit. They got Miles Colvin on the wing, another freshman who is extremely athletic. That's an upgrade for them in a spot they really needed. A more athletic, a little more speed, a little defense there. So I think this team has a fair shot, a fair argument at being number one overall. And of the top four, Rob, they're the team that I would be most surprised if they didn't end the season on the one line.
1: Yeah, I mean, they won the Big Big Ten regular season. They won the Big Ten tournament. And if it wasn't for... I'm just going to call it a fluky end to the NCAA tournament for them. um, They uh, I I think people would have a very different feeling about this group. But you also got to remember throughout much of last season, it was like the exact opposite of of what we're doing right here. Right. Like we were trying to talk people off the ledge of saying Purdue is the best team in college basketball. Purdue is going to win it all. Purdue this, Purdue that, Purdue everything. Right. So um, it's it's amazing to me how the the kind of narrative and public perception perception of this team has flipped what i will say is this i am higher on duke than i think just about anybody is i have duke Ooh. number two i think that they are right there um with in the same conversation with kansas for preseason number one i would not be shocked to see a situation where um kyle filipowski and tyrese proctor are both four, first team all americans right i i just I mean, Filipowski average. We talk about Zach Eady coming back. Filip, Filipowski average 15 and 10 as a freshman, and he's coming back to school as a guy that was a projected, what, top 20, 25 pick in the draft. Tyrese Proctor could be a top 10 pick in next year's draft. He's coming back as a sophomore. He was terrific. He had the opposite of the Fletcher lawyer season. He was he was kind of sucked early. He was really good late in the year. So I think if those two guys take the leap that I'm expecting them to make, I think that Duke has a much higher ceiling. The one thing I would say about Purdue is this, and you got about 30 seconds to respond to me. Where are the pros and can you win in college basketball if you don't have a roster with at least some NBA players on it?
2: Yeah, I think you absolutely can. And um, I mean, look, they don't have a ton of pros unless Colvin really is a lot better than people think he's going to be right away. I will say, I know you saw the video, Zach Eadie's agility at the NBA Combine <laughs> was a little eye opening to me, man. I'm My not man writing move. him off. I'm not writing him off. I, I, look, it's different styles, right? You can make a flip argument of Duke of like they're too young. Like you can nitpick anything here. Don't nitpick Purdue. They're going to be dominant.
1: There it is. All right, moving on. Question number two. We just talked about Kansas, the consensus number one team in the country. We just talked about Purdue and we just talked about Duke. Those are three of the four teams that we mentioned as the consensus top four. Michigan State more or less brings everybody back from last season right they lose Joey Hauser who was good but he's a replaceable piece sorry Joey but you are um, they bring back their backcourt they bring back Tyson Walker they bring back AJ Hogar they bring back Jay and so I think is going to be on a, a lot of breakout star lists this season plus they had a recruiting class that includes Xavier Booker Jeremy Fierce and maybe the best athlete in college basketball in Cohen Carr so let me ask you this as a Michigan fan, Greg, why are we not talking more about Michigan State?
2: I think we're not talking about Michigan State because it's not always a great thing for an okay to good team to bring. Everybody back. And you mentioned Joey Hauser. You called him a a replaceable guy. I don't think he is a replaceable guy for the record. I think his shooting was really the identity of that team last year between him and Tyson Walker and Jay Nakins. That was 343% type shooters the entire season. You lose one of them, they're not going to replace him with a shooter. I mean, you're going to hope Malik Hall makes shots, but his confidence and post-injury stuff at the end of last season is a little scary. I just think... It's almost a case where I've made this argument before and I get laughed at by Michigan State fans, but I almost would have liked it if one of their backcourt members departed and maybe opened the door for a larger role for Jaden Akins, who is the guy I believe is the next level talent in that group. Now, you don't want that guy to be Tyson Walker because he's going to be first team all Big Ten. He's one of the clutches players in America. It, he's got a return. You can do the math on who maybe the departure could have been. But look, this team is going to be really good. They need to somehow make a jump, though. Like, I need to see the reason why they're better than just a team that lost 13 games last season and 13 games the year before that. They got Tom Izzo. He's doing it his way. It's incredible. This recruiting class that's freshman, they just need one of them to pop. They don't need all three of Booker, Fears, and Cohen Carr to pop. They just need one to be a starter-caliber player, and you got to love the core that they have in place.
1: Yeah, I think that for me... It's I think a little bit too much expectation is getting put on Xavier Booker, right? I don't think that there's really anybody in coming into this freshman class that is going to be somebody that changes what any college basketball team is for the better, right? You don't want to have to rely on freshmen to be playing major roles this season. It's just not a very good freshman class. It is what it is Um, for him to come in and be asked to play a role where At the start of the year, you're probably looking at like 10 to 15 minutes a game for him, right? Earn some playing time, earn some minutes. All of a sudden, uh, he kind of figures out what he's doing defensively. You put a little strength on him. You could put him at the five next to Malik Hall with those three guards that we talked about. And you got a lineup that looks really dangerous um, and, frankly, like a lot of fun. Uh, I think your point about having teams that bring back a bunch of guys that were just okay The continuity factor, I think, is 100% spot on. I mean, how much did we see that last year with teams like TCU? With teams like Creighton, who were, what, like preseason top 10 kind of teams and ended up being exactly what they thought we would be? Both of them were six seeds last year. Kind of like top 25-ish, back-end, top 25-ish kind of teams. That's kind of what I think the floor is for Michigan State this year. All that said, you got maybe the best backcourt in college basketball. Right. Mm -hmm. How many are better than them? I don't know if there is anybody better than them. Um, Tyson Walker makes big shots. Jay Nakins stud A.J. Hogard. When he's if he's your third best guard, you have a very, very good back or and get that guy, Tom Izzo. You know, the one thing I will say is that um, when he's hyped up, they tend to deliver. Right. Michigan State teams tend to deliver. You got 30 seconds. Respond. Take us home.
2: No, you're right. I think the you've got to identify one element that you think takes a leap in order for them to go from a team that was outside the top twenty five much of last season to a top five caliber team. And to me, it's depth. Last year their bench was essentially unplayable. This year, between Booker and Fears and Carr, they're gonna have options there. And two, it's can they figure out the center spot? Matty Sissoko was fine. They need some. Remember, remember how good goodness- he was for like a week? Well, yeah, I mean, the once the scouting report was out on him that he was not a threat whatsoever, <laughs> that fell apart a little bit.
1: Yeah, <laughs> it was, it was, it was fun when uh, when Mariusz was the thing. Like it was the Champions Classic, and then one more yeah. game, and then everybody forgot about him.
2: <laughs> he had that Euro step against Kentucky. He looked like Giannis, and then yeah, I know, was right? Never seen again.
1: Yep, and then he died. Our partner for today's episode is Athletic Greens. I started taking AG1 during the college basketball season, and I loved the impact that it had on my energy levels. I'm a big coffee-in-the-morning guy, but by the time that the afternoon would hit, I needed another boost. AG1 helped me tremendously, especially on those days when I didn't want to get up off the couch and go hit the gym. Their tagline is, AG1 is comprehensive health and the power of habit in one, and man, that could not be more
0: Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: Uh, all right, so question number three. Who is the best team in the Big East? You have the reigning national champions in UConn. You have the reigning Big East regular season and tournament champions in Marquette. You have Creighton, who got back Trey Alexander, who got back Ryan Kalkbrenner, who added Steven Ashworth out of the portal. And you kind of quietly have Villanova, who's sneaking up on a lot of people. I don't think people realize quite how good that team's going to be. Who is the best team in the Big East?
2: So I really wish that I could say Creighton because I was a Creighton defender all of last season. And I think if I was a Creighton fan, I'd be one of the most frustrated fans on earth. And that's coming from a Michigan fan. So take that for what it's worth. But listen, like for them to have to sit and watch Arthur Kaluma and Ryan Nemhard go play college basketball again for different programs when this team was an iffy foul call away from a date with a, a team they probably are better than in the final four, like that would just be such a sour taste in my mouth. And yes, they're still going to be really good. You get Calc back, you get Alexander back, Shireman back. Like those are dudes and they did make good additions, but I've got a hard and fast rule, Rob. When you lose a Nemhard as a college basketball team, that's a really, really hard thing to replace. No matter how talented your roster looks on paper, I think this league goes through the champs. I think the king is on the throne until they're unseated. And uh, I'm excited to get your take on this because, you know, a very wise UConn fan once said they're a little concerned about UConn's leadership for next season, Rob Doster, That's what I saw from the Field of 68 Twitter. So I
1: (laughs) it's unless it's not that I'm concerned with it. It's that I don't know where it's going to come from. Right. Like you need. You lost the three guys that were kind of the identity of that team with Andre Jackson, Jordan Hawkins and Adamsonogo. Andre was the leader in the locker room, Adamsonogo was kind of like the leader by example, guy that you can run things around, and Jordan Hawkins set the toughness example, right? That guy didn't say a word but he played through every injury. Um Tristan Newton as good as he is like is this laid back southern dude, real chill from El Paso, like he's not he's not like the vocal going to get everybody fired up, he's just kind of laid back, right? Um, is it going to be Donovan Klingon? Can he play that role? Can you have uh, a five man that's a sophomore, one of the younger guys on the team, be someone that can kind of take over that role? Is it Alex Carman? That's, that's kind of what I'm looking for. And also they need shooting on the perimeter, right? Like I love what solo ball could be long-term. I think he's going to be best as a sophomore or a junior. I think UConn's got to get Cam Spencer out of the portal. I think that is a very big addition for them. Um, and outside of that, I probably have them just on the outside of the top 25. I will say this. Uh, agree with everything you said about Creighton. Um, think they're going to be really good. I uh, think we they're gonna be a better shooting team than they were last year. I have questions about how they replace Kaluma. That's a big one for them. And then Marquette losing Omax, you know. I I, I think that they are going to be able to withstand that better than uh Creighton and UConn can withstand the losses that they took because. David Joplin's a guy that's ready to have a big, big season because Oso Iguodaro and Tyler Kolick are so uh, creative in things that they do offensively. And because, remember this name, Chase Ross, I think we'll be able to fill that role defensively that uh, Omax, um, Omax provided. I will say this about Villanova. If they are going to be a team that can win the biggest regular season title, they need Mark Armstrong to be a dude. They need lead him to live up to like his four star crazy athlete kind of hype. Because if you are going to trust Justin Moore to be your full time, like only point guard, only ball handler, Greg, that's a red flag for me.
2: Yeah, I I'm going to bite my tongue without saying too much on Villanova, because I believe we have a segment later in the show that I'd like to speak on. Uh, It's a fine roster. It's a good roster. There's a lot of dudes. They are not first, second or third on my list of Big East teams that I think are threats. I want to ask you this as as the Big East guy, I want to ask you this. Who's the preseason Big East player of the year? Is it Kolick running away? No question.
1: Preseason, I think it's Tyler Kolick. Postseason, I am betting my money that it's going to end up being Donovan Klingin. Because I think that he's going to have... I think he's going to be a guy that averages 15 points, 10, 11 boards, three and a half blocks, and be the anchor of a team that, for my money, will be a top five defense in college basketball and probably a top 10 to 15 team. So I think at the end of the day, it's probably going to end up being Klingin. But... Don't forget Bryce Hopkins down in Providence. Mm. I think he's going to have a monster season. Um, All right. I'm not going to let the alarm go. We're we're counting down the minutes there. All right. Question number four. Uh, There are three teams that have a gap of at least 16 spots in the consensus preseason top 25. Arizona, San Diego State, and Villanova all had at least one person rank them in the top 10. They also all had at least one person leave them unranked uh, in the preseason top 25s, uh, top 25s vibes. That was weird. Anyway, Arizona, out of Arizona, San Diego State, and Villanova, which of those teams uh, do you trust the most?
2: Oh, boy. Um, none of them? Can I say that? I mean, I, if I have to, gun to my head, I'll take San Diego State. Wow. Uh and I, it doesn't feel good to say that, but I, again, I think I'm pretty clear. I'm down on Villanova here. I'll go more on that later. And it's impossible to say the team with Caleb Love is the team you trust the most. It just yeah. is. Like, we, we've we now seen this for two seasons. Like, if it goes well, they're in the national championship game. If it goes horribly, they're not in the NCAA tournament. That's going to be the thing with a team that's built around him. Yeah. Um, I, I think San Diego State, like... They do bring enough pieces back that there's an infrastructure that you know what you're going to get from them. You're going to get elite defense. You're going to get a team that's really well-connected. You're going to get a well-coached group that's old as shit. And that matters in college basketball right now. They're going to win a ton of conference games and be one of the toughest outs come postseason play in the entire country. So like, that's the known quantity there to me out of those three teams. I think there's more unknowns with Arizona and with Villanova than there are with San Diego State. Yeah,
1: so San Diego State is the one to me that I don't really understand why there's that big of a gap, right? They're the team that I kind of look at them and say, yeah, you know what? They're probably going to be pretty good. They're probably not going to be this top 10 kind of a team. They're probably not going to be the team that runs it back and makes another run to the final four. Like they're just going to be, they're not going to be the ceiling San Diego State. They're going to be that team that goes like 11 and five in the Mountain West, wins the regular season title by like half of a game and um, doesn't score more than 60 points the entire season. There's just, they're just very like kind of okay, fine to me. Right. I understand Arizona having that big of a gap. To me, Villanova is the one that you got to trust the most here. And the red flag, the concern that I have is that um Jay Wright to me was one of the best teachers of basketball that you're ever going to find. I think that his ability to get guys to understand how he wanted them to play um, and get them to buy into uh their concepts and their schemes. And and you know, they didn't they didn't run plays when Jay Wright was there right? They had their concepts. They had things that they did. It was basically just simple basketball, drive, draw a second defender, find somebody open, make a three, attack a closeout, get into the paint, jump, stop, pivot, either take a shot or find somebody to create another closeout opportunity, right? They they didn't run offense. Um, They ran, they just played. And I think that Kyle is trying to do something similar. And I'm not sure that he's that level of teacher of the game, right? I would be willing to bet on the talent there, But it's also you got a bunch of new faces man like when was the last time we saw villanova i i I ran the numbers the other day in jay wright's last 10 seasons as head coach they brought in a total of four transfers kyle neptune this off season is bringing in four transfers it's just it's a complete departure from what we expect villanova to be and you got to give kyle credit for adjusting to the times and buying into the ideas of what you need to do to be able to succeed in college basketball in 2024 but we've never seen them do it so that's my big question right like I need to... I'm willing to bet on it, but I need to see Kyle do it before I fully buy into it, where it's like Arizona and Caleb Love, you kind of know what you're getting there. And I I have a feeling... I mean, you said it right. There's going to be games where they look like the best team in college basketball, and there's going to be games where they lose by 15 to Stanford or something like that.
2: Yeah. Yeah, which sounds like Arizona last year, too, right? Like, that's not a departure from the group we had last year with Kirk <laughs> Resa. Uh, our, you're our you're own- so
1: right, man. Shit, like... <laughs> you're, you're, you're so right. Arizona is going to be, they're going to be the worst team to bet on. I don't, yeah. you know what? Can we make an agreement right now? I need you to hold me this. Oh God! You are not allowed to bet on Arizona basketball games next season.
2: I can't make that agreement. I'm in love with Tommy <laughs> Lloyd teams. I bet them every game last year. You know who my title pick was pre-tournament. Uh, but okay. Look, look, <laughs> I forgot
1: about that. I forgot about that. <laughs> yeah, I, I know. I don't that. know
2: why I'm reminding you of that. So Villanova though, <laughs> Looking at Kyle Neptune and what he did last season, because I'm with you like it's. Wait, hold on, hold on.
1: So I think I think I know what you're going to go with here. Okay, the next question that we have is the most overrated team in the uh, in our consensus top 25. And I have a feeling that you are going to say that it is um, it is Villanova.
2: It is, but before I give my reasoning, I want you to answer this for me because there's so many unknowns with Kyle Neptune still. I'm with that. We have to give him a couple years. One season's not enough. Just answer this for me. Do you think that last year's Villanova roster, even with the injuries, like who they had available for certain games, do you think that 17 and 17 was in the middle of outcomes for that roster and what they should have gone? Do you think that's worse than they should have been? Me yes. too. Like I, I think there was more than enough for a twenty-win team on that team last season, and it didn't come close. Even when they were fully healthy at the end of the season, and they turned a little bit of a corner, it never got to the point that I wanted to see that. So, if you need to call me a Kyle Neptune skeptic or a hater, whatever you want to call it, well, you I'm should there be. You right should. It's, it's
1: not it, like <laughs> you should be at this point. Maybe skeptic is too strong of a word. I think, but. Like, he needs to prove it. Like, there's no doubt about it. He needs to prove it. And that's why when I say I think the key to their season is going to be Mark Armstrong, right? It's going to be the point guard spot. You need a guy that can be the the player that gets that first paint touch that creates the tidal wave of everything else, that makes everything else go, right? What they tried to do with it last year was have Caleb Daniels or Justin Moore or Cam Whitmore, all these guys, like, dribble into post-ups. And it just – they're not Jalen Brunson right? Like Jalen Brunson could do that. Colin Gillespie could do that. Ryan Archie Diacono could do that. You can't do that with Caleb Daniels. And I don't think you want Justin Moore to be the guy that does that, but you get him back as the secondary ball handler, the star, the scorer, with Mark Armstrong next to him with a guy like Eric Dixon, who, by the way, is a fucking alpha. Like that dude is a stud, right? With these new pieces coming in that you can kind of surround them with length, athleticism, versatility, all that. If Mark Armstrong lives up to the potential, I think you have a team that can be very, very good and good enough to um, to overcome a similar kind of coaching performance to last year. And like, I, I don't want to take shots at Kyle because I think it's too early to really to, to, to yeah. do that and to say, like, we have a feel for what he is. But I do think that he needs to prove himself like this is the year to prove yourself. You know, what, does that yeah, make he- sense?
2: Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 100%. He has to prove it. And I made this point uh, last week on a different show, but um, really good coaches can have really bad seasons. And I don't think that's talked about enough. It's about how you overcome that. How does it change from year to year? Like we, we can identify and isolate the best coaches in this game and point out horrible seasons they've had. Now, I think Kyle Neptune's first year was about as low on that spectrum as you'd want to go to believe that he's still a good coach. But he's had a really good off season, by all accounts. My problems with your theory on Mark Armstrong are: one, I don't really believe in Mark Armstrong. I mean, the guy didn't have a great assist rate. I'm not really buying a breakout season from him if he needs to be the straw that stirs the drink. Um, two, for all the guys they went and got in the portal are you really telling me they couldn't just get a true point guard from the portal that would have alleviated all these concerns? That's a little more proven that we know who that is. Like I would much rather have a veteran point guard than I would rather have Hakeem Hart and TJ Bamba and Tyler Burton. And those guys are all good players, but I, like they're not necessarily alphas that I trust to be number ones on a really good basketball team. I think they've got a bunch of good players and a coach that had some good players last year and didn't get a ton out of them. That's a really scary recipe for me when I think they're still going to have some identity concerns next season.
1: Yeah. I don't disagree with any of that. Can I throw another overrated team to you that I don't really understand the ranking of them? Please, Texas, a- Texas A&M.
2: Ooh. Okay. I, talk I don't, to me there.
1: They're they are 12th in the consensus top 25. I understand Wade Taylor's coming back. I understand they got Tyrese Radford coming back. I understand that Buzz Williams, like you hit year five, and that's kind of when they hit their peak. I just I don't I, I just don't see it. Right. I don't I don't see what about that roster scares you? What about that roster intimidates you? You look at some of these other teams in the SEC, and I'm not fully in on like Arkansas, I'm not fully in on Alabama. But those look like those to me. Those are better teams than what Texas A and M is. I don't understand why they are a top twelve team in college basketball.
2: I think it's got to be because from December twenty seventh on, they were nineteen and five last season, and they bring like Mm -hmm. I mean, that's a team in SEC play that had that record so it's not like they were you know beaten up on a mid-major conference or something like that I think I'm with you like I, I view Texas A&M as one of the most overachieving teams in the sport last season more so than I view them as like they built the foundation for what is going to be an awesome banner hanging year this season and I think that's evidenced by their performance at the end of the season when they went up against some of the better teams in the country or at least you know Alabama lose by 20 in the conference tournament and then first NCAA tournament game just blown out by a penn state team that was really playing good ball so i'm with you i uh i like that as a skepticism pick i think there's still a tournament lock but i don't think it's a team that does anything special
1: yeah shout out to you for going right through that alarm exactly what i do (laughs) when i when i'm trying to wake up in the morning all right uh second to last question question number six here who is the most underrated team in all in the uh not not in the field of 68 top 25 in the consensus preseason top 25 for you
2: So I struggle with this because I don't love a lot of the teams at the bottom of this list, to be honest with you. But the number one that I just keep coming back to is a team that's roster is still far from finished right now. But I'm just taking the infrastructure of their program and who their head coach is and what they've done in recent years. I'm taking Scott Drew. I'm taking Baylor. I don't think this is a team that's going to be a fringe top 25 team for long next season. I know they lost a ton. I think this is their weakest roster going back to their national championship year and years before that. But they've got dudes that I trust the talent level of. And in that system, we know we're going to get production from their guards. Ray J Dennis was an absolutely critical ad. I think Langston love is primed for a breakout season, And they still have work to do, as we said. The Olivier was decision is coming. It sounds like that could be trending to Baylor. He's a winning guy who plays both ends and doesn't necessarily need the ball in his hands. So if I have to pick one from that group, I'm going to pick the coach I trust most to figure it out with a bunch of pieces. I like It's almost the inverse of Villanova, right? Like, Mm -hmm. that's a bunch of pieces. Do I trust the guy to put the puzzle together? I don't with Kyle Neptune. I do with Scott Drew.
1: So my pick is is something that's kind of similar. Um I I think it's Alabama for me, oh, right? And I don't think that you can um uh, you can rank them any higher right now in the moment, uh but I do think that trusting that um that Nate is going to find that Nate Oates is going to find a way to uh supplement the current roster with some uh Relatively big names that are currently left in the portal is something that I would um, I would buy into that idea. Let's just phrase it like that. Uh, And I would love um, a big athletic four slash five man to come into a team with Mark Sears and um, and with Aaron Estrada. I I think that is a terrific backcourt. I think those guys are both old. They're both veterans. They've both proven it uh, at the mid-major level. Mark Sears has proven it to a point at the high major level, and I think that when you combine their shooting ability, their ability to play off the bounce, that's what you want um, out of an Alabama uh, an Alabama team. I'm going to throw one more at you, and I want your take on this because I, I feel like I'm out on a limb here. I feel like I am, uh, I'm going to get a lot of uh, criticism for this take because they are – Number fifteen right now in the preseason, but I like North Carolina. I like them quite a bit. I like the idea of having R.J. Davis and Armando Baycop be your two stalwarts, and then filling in all the pieces around them with the likes of Paxson Wojcik and Cormac Ryan and Harrison ingham and Jalen Withers and Elliot cadeau I think Jalen Washington is going to have a big year. I think Seth Trimble is going to be in a point, uh, being a position where he can uh, kind of have a breakout season. Like I, I like what has come together on this roster. The big question is going to be, do you trust Hubert Davis to figure it all out? And I kind of do. I kind of do. I think the reason why I say that is I think he's leaning into this idea that, hey, look, we need to get that guy out of here. Caleb Love, he's gone. R.J. Davis put the ball in his hands. Give him some help with Seth Trimble. Give him some help with Elliot Cadeau. Trust that Armando Baycott's going to be your stud and get some shooters around them. And that's what he went out and did.
2: Yeah, I think that's a really strong point on Hubert. Like, I'll compare him to Juwan Howard here of like they've had teams that have underachieved in the regular season the last couple of years. And Hubert successfully navigated a a dicey situation and really, in my opinion, had about the best offseason he could have had. Whereas Jawan has had the worst possible. Like he lost the star player. He lost the identity. He didn't bring in high school recruits. He hasn't successfully gotten trans- Like Hubert has done it all. And I think the Cadeau reclassification is maybe the most interesting part of that roster for me. Like if he's a day one guy who really fits in well as a past first elite vision type and lets RJ Davis hunt the shots. I love the makeup of that roster. And uh, I'm with you. I think it could be some addition by subtraction yeah. there.
1: I think you need cadeau to be the complementary piece let let rj be the guy let cadeau be the, the creator um yep. similar to tristan newton and andre jackson similar to uh when it was joel barry playing with theo pinson and when north carolina won it in 2017 right i just I have a very difficult time buying all the way in on freshmen. period especially freshmen that are uh reclassifying up all right you got one minute to answer this question who is the best team outside of the consensus preseason top 25.
2: All right, I'm going to give you one here. I think this is going to shock you because nobody's talking about this team. And yes, it's in my Big Ten. I'm taking Maryland here, Rob, because I love Jameer Young. I think he's awesome. I think he was extremely awesome for the final two months of last season. And I think that we've seen a lot of these up transfer point guards really have breakout seasons in year two at their school, like Jalen Pickett did last season. Jameer Young, I expect to take a leap beyond what he was at the end of last year, which was a top four player in that conference. You're pairing him with a guy, a true freshman, Deshaun Harris-Smith, who I absolutely love the talent level of. I think he could potentially be a one-and-done, kind of a, a Jalen hood Shafino type impact on this team. And if that hits... That's one of the best backcourts in the country. They got their frontcourt back, Julian Reese and Dante Scott. Yes, they lost Hakeem Hart. That would have been a really nice fifth piece on the wing. But I think they've got enough bodies they can interchange there off the bench. That core of four with the two guys in the frontcourt, the two guys in the backcourt, I absolutely love. And I'd be shocked if by the end of the season, this team is not in the 15 to 25 range in the polls.
1: So I'm going to stick in the Big Ten. Uh, I'm going to go with Illinois. I just think that there is too much talent on that roster to not be preseason top 25, right? I think getting Jeremiah Williams in is going to be a big one for them because that's another long, athletic dude that can be a playmaker, right? He was, he played a lot on the ball when he was at Temple in the 21-22 season before tearing his ACL. Um, Terrence Shannon's back, Coleman Hawkins back, Dane Danger's back, Ty Rogers, Sincere Harris, Luke Goody all had moments, right? Like it's just, that team should be a preseason top 25 team. There's going to be moments where they make you want to put your head through a plate class window right? when you watch them. But they are a top 25 team. There's top 25 talent on that roster. They are one of the, I'd say, 15 to 20 best teams in college basketball. So having them outside of the top 25 is shocking. Last and Here's thing my I want fear, to
2: say, with, fear with Illinois, though. Aren't we going to just get point guard Coleman Hawkins? Isn't that a terrifying proposition for a team trying to make the polls?
1: Uh, yes and no, because I think that Jeremiah Williams coming in will – help mitigate that that factor but still like there's there's too much talent on that team to have them be outside the preseason like what are we doing here come on really? come on consensus last thing we're gonna say kentucky is in the preseason consensus top 25 which is a fucking joke <laughs> they're not a preseason top 25 team they're i mean a they're top a top team.
2: top 25 talented roster in the country right
1: uh, i i I think I've made it clear I don't trust any freshmen in college basketball this year, and I especially do not trust a team that is going to be made up of five freshmen and two sophomores that didn't prove a damn thing last year. Get Antonio Reeves back. Go out and get one of these studs, Arthur Kaluma, Grant Nelson, somebody out of the portal, and then maybe we can have a conversation. But right now, if you are betting all the way, if you're you're going all the way in on DJ Wagner, Robert Dillingham, Justin Edwards, a maybe healthy, maybe not healthy Aaron Bradshaw, like I just... I can't get behind this. Con- like, they got to prove it. They're going to get their ass kicked early on in the season. They're, pl- who are they, pl- are they? Do they have, uh, Kansas? Who do they have in the Champions Classic? Uh,
2: it's the one you didn't want to see, right? So Michigan's, no, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I just know your video. You wanted Duke in Kansas, and it's not Duke in Kansas.
1: Yeah. I can't remember who they're playing. I think they're playing, I think they are playing Duke. Um, but it- whether it's Duke or Kansas, they're going to get their asses kicked you're gonna get lit up in the Champions Classic if they don't add anybody else they got to add pieces listen Greg this has been fun this has been the athletic greens preseason top 25. I was drinking water out of it I had my AG1 I put it in smoothies these days uh I'm gonna let you go you got to go change a diaper that's what uh your your wife is just texting me right now she said you look you gotta let Greg go ah, the little boy just pooped all over the place so go ahead go handle that go get that done Greg
2: it's a terrifying proposition that my wife is texting you Rob <laughs>